Sound of Truth starts now. Welcome to Sound of Truth Weekly Interview, as we seek to inform, inspire, and encourage you in your walk with Christ through engaging interviews of ordinary people in whom God is doing an extraordinary work. I'm your host, Brett Morani, and I'm excited that you've chosen to join us. Rick, we have on the phone with us today my longtime friend, Mark Miner, who is a pastor in Southern Illinois where I grew up. He and I both graduated from the same high school, only he graduated a few years before me. Actually, okay, let's, let's, don't, let's don't go there now. Come on. <laughs> hey, I couldn't even Shots get to fired. welcome to the show, yeah. Mark. He had to go ahead and. Shots were fired early. That's right. That's right. Hey, Mark, glad to have you on Sound of Truth. Uh, it's awesome to be on Sound of Truth. Let me tell our audience a little bit about you, Mark. You are a Southern Illinois native like myself, and uh, you started going to Whittington Church, and you eventually became pastor of the church that you attended there. You're married to Pam. How many years have you been married now? Oh, don't go there. Oh, I, I, said, I, I said that. Let me just tell you the date. They got married in, ni- in the summer 1973. of 1973, so you're coming up on your, let, let's put this good, education to work here, 73, we're in 2021, that's 30, 48, 48 years. Yeah, well, we were both very young, I was 13, so. Oh, that's great. There you go. So, as we have had our conversations and discussions as friends uh, through these years, one of the things that has jumped out at me about you, Mark, is that you love to read and study about history. And so uh, it's not uncommon that when I ask Mark what he has read or is reading, that he's uh, just finished a history book or is, or is reading a biography or something. In fact, recently it was, I think, Napoleon you told me you read about. And, uh, I love his ice cream. Napoleon. <laughs> that's <laughs> Neapolitan, my friend. I know, that's friend. the joke at our house. We always call it Napoleon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so... Um, I always think of Napoleon. There's just like a dog on a famous animated movie named Napoleon. I can't remember what movie it is. So not that famous, maybe. But I just know D- Dynamite. Napoleon Dynamite. They, uh-huh. We're getting so off topic. Yeah, here. we are. So uh, I also know you. You have a great love for our country. You you've run for office. You have currently uh, in your church your local state representative, um, who's also a friend of mine, and uh, you're active in the community and with politics as well. Um, so I know, let's talk American history, Mark. And and really, if you don't mind, I'd just kind of love to hear your thoughts on the founding of our nation and the perspective as a pastor and as a Christian um, on the founding of our nation. So I'm just going to hand the mic off to you right now and, and let you just kind of talk about that, Mark. So uh, There's certainly different philosophies, and, and particularly in our current environment, that diminish America. But I, I'm not one of those voices, my goodness. I, I think that America is God's last best hope. And I, I don't say that out of a heart of patriotism, per se, but just a, from an analytical standpoint. Uh, and I know you all have traveled. I've been in nine different countries and, and been to China, been to Turkey, been to uh, South America and different places. And, and, you know, every time I come home to this country, I've been to Israel numerous times, and I love Israel, but every time I come in, if we're flying to New York, we're flying to Chicago, whatever, and squeals down back in the States and back in the country, uh, maybe it's just me, but I feel 
I, I do feel an anointing. I do feel that there is a, a divine call, not maybe a manifest destiny, but a divine call on America. And if you look at American history, I've got uh, a picture in my office that uh, someone from our church family gave us. It's George Washington praying at Valley Forge. Uh, Freiburg, I believe, is the author or the painter of that. And, uh, you know, there were so many times that the United States could not have been a country. Uh, we could have fallen apart, certainly the Civil War. We can, we can look at so many times when the divisiveness should have blown us apart, uh, and it didn't. I, I have to believe that God has a call and a hand in our country's founding. And certainly, uh, even to this moment, I, I'm, I know we've got a lot of problems in America right now. And if I can, you know, you and I, we, the three of us were talking before we quote, went on the air about some of the things going on in America right now. Uh, I'd rather live in America than any other country. You know, this is still the best place to live. Hmm. And it's still a very, very, very good place, even with the strife that we're experiencing in some ways right now. Mm-hmm. Um, most of it, I think, surface and and not really deep as far as the psyche of our country. But yeah. back to the founding, yeah, I, I can't help but believe that God had a hand in leading people to this country. Have we had our flaws? Yes, we, we've all referenced that. But the documents that we have that founded this country, there's no place in, in, in the world history where there has been the freedom that we have here in the United States that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. You won't find that in Rome. You won't find that in Greece. You certainly won't find that in Islam or in China or in communism or any other ism, only in the United States of America. That, I believe, is a divine divine words written for, through flawed men, but they had God somehow directed him to the right places to go as far as the philosophy for our country. I think it stands to this very day. Well, Mark, as I hear you talking, it gets me excited. And But then the first thing that, that comes to my mind is sometimes you hear the arguments from the other side to say, no, this isn't a, a Christian nation. No, our founders were not Christians. And maybe because the the word God is used in some of the documents, they'd say, no, they weren't Christians. They were more so deists. You know, what would you say to somebody who, who who brings up that kind of observation or that kind of uh, critique? Well, I, first of all, I would say that they haven't read much of George Washington. Sacred Fire is a great book that, that documents so many of the things he said. Uh, certainly John Adams, uh, uh, some of the others, Thomas Jefferson, not so much. Ben Franklin, maybe not so much. Maybe you could put those in the category of deists. Right. Uh, but so what? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know. Nonetheless, I know I know people that aren't strong Christians that are that still understand the Christian ethos. I mean, if you're in business, I think you know uh, you are uh, Rick. I believe uh, you know the country, the companies that do well operate according to a Christian basis even if they're not Christian at their mm-hmm. at, at their headquarters, you know. Right. So God's Word works everywhere it's tried. So Yeah, maybe, maybe Thomas Jefferson wasn't the brightest shining light for Jesus Christ. But you know what? When it came down to truth, he understood that, that the Scripture is the best foundation for human life, and it is the best psychology book for trying to put people together in a cohesive way called a country. And, and he saw that, and, and Ben Franklin did as well, and, mm-hmm. and of course some of the others that we could talk about. 
Well, I, so, so I, you know, if they want to debate Diaz versus saved or Christian or whatever, right. I, I would always debate that we we are a, you know, Barack Obama was flying around on his apology tour, sorry, a little politics there, uh, and, and talking about how, you know, we're not just a Christian country. Uh, I disagree with him a thousand percent. If we're not a Christian country, then we are, are we a Muslim country? Are we a, an atheistic country? Uh, you know, I don't see that. Our, our foundations and our documents, the, the document that uh, the state of Illinois, where I live, uh, starts off in our Constitution, grateful to Almighty God for his providential leadership in our state. And Illinois is one of the worst states in the country <laughs> as far as our politics. Right. Uh, but and, and your Florida document says the same thing. You can't purge those things from the foundation of our country or right. from our state. And when they said Almighty God, they were not thinking in this pluralistic mindset of today. That that's reading today's mindset back into history. They were clearly referring to the Christian God. Oh yeah, I mean that's if if what Mark is saying is here is true is when it says, uh, well, as, as you quoted it, Mark, the Almighty God and His providential leading. That is not a deistic God, right? Mm-hmm. That is not the God who creates everything and steps away. This is the God who is that's in right. providence, in control, leading. Yes. Yes. Yeah, you can't go to Washington, D.C. And and the wisdom that God gave these founding men and women mm-hmm. uh, that <clears throat> that created our country uh, or that knit this thing together, and it was very fragile at so many times uh, that we could point out during history. But if you look over the Supreme Court, I mean, uh, the building there in Washington, D.C., and, and you go there and you see that there's Moses holding the Ten Commandments in the center. Now there's others. Confucius is on that 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 frieze or that engraving, and there are other different uh, prominent world leaders, if you will. But Moses is at the center with his Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. That's not and, by accident. Again, right? That's not by accident. No, it's really not. They understood, and 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 many of the early church or early uh, founding fathers of our country were very strong uh, Christians. How many pastors were there? that signed the Declaration of Independence. I forgot mm. what the number of the 64 or 68 that signed it, but many of them were pastors and were very involved in the whole American Revolution. So, Mark, in your lifetime, you have witnessed, um, you know, I don't know the year you were born, but I know you graduated from high school in the early 70s. Uh, was it 72, Correct. I guess? Um, Correct, yes. Okay. Uh, you and. And last week you mentioned, by the way, just just a little name dropping here for our little hometown. Did you say you the magazine was owned by Dan Malkovich that you worked for? Yeah, well, which, Illinois Magazine was the name of it. Yeah, I remember my dad talking it, about it. it. Yeah, which absolutely. he's the f- well, your dad your dad took some pictures for us. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and and Dan is the father of John Malkovich, the famous actor who graduated from high school with you. He did. He actually dated my wife, and I did his wedding, and uh, <laughs> we had our. They honored me for our. Uh, it's no big deal, believe me. John's just John. You you know all the Malkovich family. So right. uh, John's weird because John is normally weird. I mean, when he <laughs> appears in all those movies, that's not an act. That's really him. He's strange. Uh, but <clears throat> it just really is the case. But uh, yeah, when when they honored me for having been here for forty years, they called him through uh, his uh, sister Missy Melissa. Yeah. And anyway, so John John shot a little canon video cameo, whatever you call it, and sent it to the church. So uh, the church got to see got to see John on that on that day when we, uh, you know, he was just. Oh, that's great! I didn't I didn't know that. So, 
at, so, at, yeah, good good friend, good guy, uh, and uh, well, yeah. Uh, so probably not where we go now, uh, right now, but anyway, back, back on topic of American history. Over the course of your lifetime, you you have w- witnessed the, even though I guess you were you know maybe eight years old or whatever, the removal of prayer from schools, the removal of the Bible from schools in the early sixties. You, you lived through the, the sexual revolution of the 60s and, and all the social, uh, well, the civil rights movement, all the social unrest of the 60s. You graduated from high school in 72, right in the, the heart of Vietnam and all that. You've witnessed this change in America over your lifetime. And, and here's this nation that was founded on Judeo-Christian principles that used the Bible as a primary text up into the early 1900s. These younger people don't realize what we have left behind. We've had some good things in changes. The civil rights movement was was necessary and worthy, but we've also witnessed the decline of the institution of marriage. We've seen uh, divorce become so common. You want to speak to speak to this and and what is the pathway for revival and a reformation of our nation? Let's let's turn this conversation toward modern American history. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, two two things. Uh, number one, uh, the answer is the church. It's always been the church. It always will be the church. If the church will just be the church, then America will become what it needs to be. Mm. The problem is the church because we failed. We dropped the ball. Whether you want to talk about marriage and divorce, uh, the whole sexual uh, revolution you, you quoted, you know, mentioned in the 60s and 70s. Uh, 1973, and on, we, we legalized abortion in 1973. You you saw so much of this in your early years. Absolutely. Uh, Roe v. Wade and, and all of that. Uh, the, the, you know, so much of what the problem today, in my opinion, is, is not so, it, it's a veneer. Mm. I, there's a heart of people. I, I know that George Barner's out there doing statistics and I use them all the time and others, but I want to tell you, there's a heart for God that is just as real today as it was 20 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago. We're not as divided today as they were in the Civil War. Mm-hmm. We're probably not as uncivilized today as it was during the roaring, you know, the roaring twenties when Chicago, which is still a disaster as a as a city. I mean, we have thirty five, forty murders in Chicago every week. Mm-hmm. But back in the Capone days and 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 you know the Prohibition days, look, uh, you know, look at the Wild West, and it truly was wild. Uh, so uh, my my point is simply this: sometimes we get deluded into thinking that it's so much horrible. We we kind of look at the snapshot instead of the, the you know myopic sort of view rather than the long term view. I, I want to say to you, maybe this goes counter to things, but I think we're in such a better shape in many ways in the United States than we ever were. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we do talk about we, we did elect a, a, a black president. I mean, yeah. Again, Barack Obama's mother was white and his father was Kenyan, uh, black, but. Uh, but we, we have, we, we've, uh, you know, I have uh, many, I have a, you know, couple of uh, of my nieces that are married to, they're Caucasian, they're married to black men. At my family reunions, it's, it's you know, it's very uh, mixed colors uh, uh, within our church. It's it's somewhat that way here in, in uh, even in Southern Illinois. Uh, Brett, again, you, you grew up in Southern Illinois, which was a, a very prejudiced and racist sort of an area back in the teens and the 20s. Uh, I'm telling you, now it, it, it's not such a big deal. Right. Uh, the local school board, where, not where I serve, but where my kids go to school, 
uh, just elected a, a young black man. He's a member of our church as a school board member. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that would have been unheard of in our area uh, back in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, even the 70s. Well, yeah, I grew up there in the school. 70s and 80s, and I couldn't imagine. Uh, well, I think, you know, the Catholic Church in town now has a, a African a black priest. Yes, yes. So, that would have been unheard of know, in the 70s in Benton, Illinois. It would have, and and uh, so uh, you know we've got uh, within our church family, and I'm I'm certain it's probably the same here, but we've got you know we've got Hispanics, got a wonderful family that's Native American. She's from uh, Minnesota, but I actually did a class a few. A month ago on racism, and I had two of our African American individuals one that came from Mount Vernon, Illinois, another that was a military brat, but he was African American, uh, his term, not mine, by the way. Uh, and then uh, we had a young man, a La Fiesta restaurant, you're familiar with that, Arturo Hernandez. Uh, who came over from Mexico, and he came and shared about what it's like being in America as a as a Hispanic. Uh, and you know, I was amazed at what they said. So, uh, and it was all positive. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, it was much progress. So, uh, you know, I, I'm just, you know, the whole, uh, yeah, some of the organizations that are out there without getting myself in too much trouble. Uh, I don't don't just believe all the hype. I mean, right. underneath that, there is still a of godly people that uh, are believing for the church to lead out in some of these areas. And when we do so, they will follow. Mm, Mark, and, and that's what I think will be the change of America. Mark, I want to ask you this. I kind of want to nail this one down and, and maybe kind of, kind of set you up for a home run here. You'd mentioned that the problem with America is the church and the answer for America is the church. If, if you could speak to the church the American church right now, what would you tell? What would you tell them? What would you say? Oh, well, it's a, it's a multifold sort of a, mm-hmm. an answer, but you know, the, the Bible verse that comes to mind is judgment begins at the house of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had, we didn't, you know, you talked about Roe v. Wade back in 1973. And uh, I remember Francis Schaefer and, and some others, Speaking toward those issues, we were asleep at the switch. Mm-hmm. I mean, God bless the Catholic Church. At least they were aware of what was going on in this. We right. didn't even know what was happening, mm. and, and so we get this phony Supreme Court decision uh, that legalizes, uh, where they find language that isn't even there in the Constitution that legalizes abortion, uh, and the church didn't even know what was happening. Right. That's right. why I'm so adamant, and I tell our church. Get involved in politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I ran for state senate. You know this, Brett, back in 2012. Mm-hmm. Uh, won the primary election, very heated, contested, uh, was able to win that, did not win the general election. But uh, I believe we need to be involved in every aspect. We've got seven members on a school board. Somebody's going to be sitting in those seats making decisions for your kids. It ought to be you as mm-hmm. a Christian. Mm-hmm. That's good. And, and the same way you mentioned Dave Severin, who's our state rep here. He attends our church, a solid believer in God. Uh, and, and we have a, another gentleman from Jefferson County who's a county board member, our county board chair for Jefferson County, the county directly north of us, uh, solid Christian elder here at our church. So, I, I mean, we're very adamant. Get involved at whatever level you can because you need to lead. That's what God has called you to do, especially in America where we have the privilege yes. of serving. Mm-hmm. Yes, It doesn't happen in any other country. 
Right. But uh, someone like a Bill Clinton or a Barack Obama or or George Bush maybe wouldn't qualify. But you think of some of the the presidents that we've had, they came from nowhere. Right. Mm-hmm. And and yet they were able to ascend up to the highest level in this country for four to eight years. Again, Bill Clinton and Barack Obama being two of them. Uh, mm-hmm. God bless them for the past. You know, they came out of a difficult situation and they achieved the highest office in the land. You mm-hmm. can't do that anywhere else except America. Isn't that right. the truth? Right. I mean, we still live in a remarkable country where someone from Hope, Arkansas, that's a poor kid from a very dysfunctional home, can become president of the United States for eight years. Um, yeah, it's it's phenomenal. Of course, that's going back a little bit in time, but still, yeah, it is phenomenal. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what we, the land of opportunity still, mm-hmm. which means the land opportunity for the church to be the church. That's right. Be salt yeah. Yeah. and be light. So. And and I probably didn't speak to to your your point, but I I just believe that our DNA as a church is get involved in the community, mm-hmm. find a place, coach little league baseball, coach soccer, get involved in volleyball, do something because that's how we're going to change the culture. And you said it, salt and light. But there if the go. salt is in the salt shaker, and if the light is under the bushel basket, <laughs> that's exactly song, right. Then, then we failed, yeah. and and we we are so worried about our little meetings and making keeping all our folks together and 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 not getting dirty. I mean, I'm sitting here on Saturday morning, uh, and you got me out of bed way too early for this phone call. <laughs> <laughs> but the reason I say that is because we do celebrate recovery on Friday night every mm-hmm. Friday night. Mm-hmm. And so I don't get home till nine or nine thirty or 10, whatever time it is when we finally get closed up. But you know, we're the church is worried about getting some dirty situations or getting, you know, where the ox, what is the verse out of Proverbs where there are no ox and the manger is clean. I'm not saying that's mm-hmm. just right, mm-hmm. but, uh, hey, you're going to have manure on your hands if you're going to get involved in life. Have a baby and find out that what's going to what's going to take place in <laughs> your right. life. It vomit manure and all kinds of things. If the church can't do that and can't embrace the reality that that of what Jesus did when he hugged the leper, oh yeah, and said, "I am willing." Yes. If we can't do that, we're never going to change anything. That's that is, that is, social that is a great word. Oh, man. Great, great word. And I think that's a great yep. way to kind of end Time end has flown interview. by again this week. Mark, thank you so much. Before we let you go, though, uh, we want you to share with us just the 30-second promo for your podcast, which mm-hmm. I believe you're you're close to completing. Is that correct? You kind of had a, a well, goal? Well, uh, transitioning. Uh, it's, uh, it's called the 24-Minute Bible Podcast, the number 24 if you just type in uh, on Spotify or, or on your podcast platform, very simple, 24 minutes. That's about as long as anybody wants to listen to anybody anymore. Uh, <laughs> but, my, but my heart purpose was to help people put the Bible together. So, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, to start in Genesis, going through Revelation, getting wow. ready to complete actually 36 episodes so far. But then continuing on, we're going to continue to revisit back. It's going to become a little more topical than sequential. Mm-hmm. But uh, just helping in a simple way, not getting into the weeds, not getting into deep theology. How does the Bible fit together? That's I played great. football. I wasn't very good. I never understood the game. I just knew to hit somebody or make this tackle or whatever. I, I realize now if I would have understood the full scope of the game, I'd have been a much better player. Right. Christians will be much better players if they understand how the Bible fits together, that there is a plan from Genesis to Revelation, and that plan is redemption. That is, That's Man, beautiful. that was an awesome, awesome summary. I love that. The 24-minute Bible, we'll try to put a link in the show notes portion for you. So Mark, hey, thank you, my friend. It's Mm -hmm. been great. 
you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with your friends. Thanks. The music is by Canon and is used with permission. This podcast is copyrighted by Brett Amorani, 2021.